0: Hey, something happened to me uh, pretty major over the weekend and I wanna record it. Well, just tell me now. Well, hit the play button.
1: Welcome to The Right Side of 40. I'm Kristen. And I'm Amanda. And we're here to redefine middle age. Together, we formed the Bogan Vine. It's a community to share the experiences and challenges that have shaped our identities. So put your seatbelt on. This ride runs
0: on brutal honesty. This is the Be BeVine Podcast.
1: Well, here we are, Kristen, in full-on pandemic quarantine. I'm at my house. You're at your house. This is the first time we haven't been able to get together to record.
0: Right. This is like a quarantine, podcast quarantine style.
1: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we... Um, Obviously, like most people during this time have just been doing so much reflection. And Kristen had a great idea of what it would be like if we could actually talk to our younger selves. And so tell me, talk me through your thought process and how this podcast came to be.
0: Well, I think I saw it somewhere. It's not an original thought. It was on the Internet or TV or something about writing a letter to your younger self, which during this time of reflection I thought was genius because um, to look back and try and make sense of, you know, the lessons that you have learned and why you learned them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we will all come out of this time hopefully better, Mm -hmm. definitely changed if nothing else. And so we sure. thought it would be so interesting to just, with this perspective, to look back and talk to our younger self. So um, start me through your process of talking to your younger self.
0: Okay. So we'll, we'll dive in. I'll spare you reading my letter. I think that will be more of a blog post. Um, but I, when reflecting on my younger self, I kind of broke it up into three stages of life. My first one was, what did I learn between infancy and being a teen? Okay. Um, I'll start. uh, So I'll start there. (laughs) My uh, big life lessons between infancy and being a teen is under no circumstances is abuse okay, verbal or mental. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a heavy topic, um, but I grew up with... uh, semi-dysfunctional childhood and my mother was a serial marrier and she did not discriminate (laughs) with her choices in men and i grew up with a lot of um physical and mental abuse and i think when you do that as a child a couple of things happen um number one Um, moving forward in your own relationships as an adult abuse isn't such a um, you know a hot button like it should be that should be a boundary and because when you see it when you're a child it sort of normalizes the act if that makes sense and out of that um, I developed this type of chameleon mode where you become people pleaser, but you become, you kind of camouflage yourself to go along, get along, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because as that carries forward in life, you don't really give any value to who you are. If you, you just want to fit in, you want to make people happy. You don't want to step on any toes. You definitely don't like confrontation. Um, And so if I had to talk to my younger self because of everything that I saw as a child, I mean, the first time somebody swung at me, I would have been out the door. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. And the first time I had a boy just completely tear me down and I probably would have drawn a boundary and left that relationship. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. (laughs) Does that make sense? yeah it's
1: always curious to me um as to why some people um will continue to normal like as you said normalize the abuse Mm -hmm. and stay in and then where is the trigger point where you finally say oh that's not right is it meeting someone who values you and and doesn't treat you that way? Is it something internal within you that helped you learn that lesson? You know, and, and I'm sure it's different for everyone, but I guess I'm more curious about you. Like where, when and how was the lesson learned?
0: Well, I think it was my first marriage. I uh, married somebody that I knew in high school. Um, He had his own issues and he used to love to tear me down. And some of the things that he said to me as a a 20-year-old or 21-year-old are insecurities that I have to this day. If if that makes any sense, the way it's something about the way that I look or he was physically abusive and that just wasn't a red flag with me. But when I got out of that relationship around the age of 25, I definitely did a look back and said, okay, that didn't work. And what do I need to do moving forward? Because, you know, when I was in the relationship, you know, he could have, you know, swung at me on a Saturday night and I just would have, it just would have, Sunday was a new day, never thought about it. Most people with normal boundaries of how to be treated in a relationship probably would have, I don't know, filed for divorce, maybe not got married, (laughs) you know, but that just wasn't, it just wasn't on my radar. Um, I was so, uh, used to seeing that type of behavior as a child. It was just another day. So for you,
1: you had to be out of the situation to learn from it. You weren't learning in the situation then you're saying.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely not. And I think this brings me to my second phase in life is, is the lesson that I learned from teen to young adult.
1: Okay.
0: And because I did actually meet my husband when I was a teen, young adult. But um, don't give your body away. And this is something I always tell my niece, who is now 19. Um, and it's such a general statement. But what I mean by that is I never thought that I had value. It it never occurred to me. And I used to do things... I, you know, I don't know because I, well, I do know because I thought if I slept with this person, that boy would like me more. If I, you know, did this with somebody else, I don't know, kiss somebody or what, you know, whatnot, that person would like me more. It never occurred to me that I had my own opinion and I had my own standard that I should value myself. I shouldn't use that my body as sort of a manipulation tactic does that make sense
1: yeah i think that is um something that so many teenage and young women go through i think that's i wonder how much of that is um because we didn't have something something was perhaps missing in our childhood correct? or if it is just natural progression of human sexuality and the morals that we place on ourselves ha- force us to look back and say, don't give away your body. I'm not sure where the line is in between that. I, f- I, yeah. I go back and forth.
0: It, I beat myself up for it, you know, to this day. I, I mean, I wasn't a super promiscuous person, but when I was a teenager and going through those those things, I definitely used my body more as a like a, a, a manipulation tool to get somebody to like me more. I always thought, well, if I do this, then he will like me more. Yeah. It had nothing to do with, you know, it was not, it was my choice, but it was, it wasn't coming from a place of self-respect.
1: Yes. And so it's curious to me, is it, um, is it just such a natural thing that so many women go through and, oh. We're learning um, the shift of power. Correct. Um, we're learning, like you said, manipulation. We're learning um, the aftermath of what it does to us mentally after you do something like that. and sure. And in some way get caught. Um, I mean, like, maybe uh, you you, you know, made out with somebody and they told and you feel that shame for the first time. Things like that. It's just, it's so many lessons wrapped into one.
0: The sad thing is, is that when I was a kid, an adult, say, you know, 15 to 18, 15 to 20, if somebody liked me as a boy, I automatically liked them because they liked me. Oh, wow. And if they were going to come after me as like sexually, it never entered into my mind that, I could say no. I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. I wanted to blend in. I wanted this boy to like me. It's like I never gave an, there was never an option for me like, oh, well, I don't like this boy. I like this other boy. I was just so caught up in the fact that, oh my God, somebody likes me that it never dawned on me that I didn't have to like them. I didn't have to do what they wanted me to do. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: In no means am I trying to say, like, you know, I was taken advantage of. I was right there. That's that not the point. The point of what I'm saying is is I have choices. And I tell my niece this. You have choices. If you don't want to do something or be with somebody, or you don't have to. It's just my self-esteem was so low that I never even knew I had a choice. And I think that's really fucked up. <laughs> Does that make
1: sense? Okay. So take us on to the next stage.
0: So the next stage would be young adulthood to adult, to present. And number one, uh, as a young adult, I would sometimes, you know, when you're in college and you see your peers and, you know, some peers don't have to have jobs and some People have, you know, their parents buy them cars and I used to get really hung up on this because I, you know, didn't, I came from basically nothing and my, my lesson to that. And another thing I do tell my niece who is 19 is life isn't fair. Maybe you will have to work harder. Maybe you will have to, um, work longer. Maybe you'll have less money. Maybe you'll have to struggle more than your peers, but that's okay. That builds character. Um, holding on to this chip on your shoulder of, you know, life isn't fair and I've been dealt a bad hand isn't going to get you anywhere. You need to start from where you are and progress, if that makes any sense.
1: So um, it's curious because, you know, you were dealt an unfair hand. If if, mm-hmm. if, sure. if there is be- some way of um, qualifying fair and unfair, right? That You know, yeah. Un- your, your childhood was not ideal. There we go. Um, so you had to learn that. And then you're saying you had to learn to be okay with it in the sense that learning to just not be genuinely sour all the time, or like you said, a chip on your shoulder. So So you had to kind of make peace with that unfairness
0: right and i think a lot of people do that whether they it's how they were raised if they had any, you know, any extra resources or not. Some people never come out of that and they're just bitter and they blame their future life on how they were raised or their abusive parent or, you know, they were poor and, you know, my so and so had more uh, resources than I did and that's why she's successful. And what I tell my niece is that attitude isn't gonna get you anywhere. It will stunt your growth. You need to know where you are and you if you have to work harder you work harder. If you have to work or go to school longer, that just happens. Um you will be okay, but holding on to that um that I shoulda coulda woulda isn't isn't gonna help you succeed.
1: You know, um what's what's interesting about that is is that there are people who um came from what would be considered a f- a fair childhood and a nice childhood a family sure um and then at some point it's they're going to learn this lesson along the way there's going to be um well, injustices or, they- or there's going to be right. moments where they don't get you know they really get slapped in the face and and so yeah it's just just a por- an important lesson that at some point we're all going to experience, and some obviously much more severely than others.
0: Correct, correct. And then my last lesson, which is probably the most important that I have learned, you know, it probably in the last, I don't know, five years, is that it's so important to live in the present. And what I mean by that is, what I did when I was a young adult, was I tried to speed my life up in the expectation that that would heal me. So I have learned that that doesn't work. So for an example of that is when I was in college, I desperately wanted to be done. When I was done with college, I desperately had to buy a house. When I bought a house, I desperately, you know, I never enjoyed my my milestones per se because I was always had my eye on the next one. When I was a kid, I couldn't wait to get out of the house. And in order to get out of the house, I had to attach myself to a man or a boy. (laughs) So I never, never lived in the present. Um, I just thought that if I got to the next stage, I would heal. And that's not true. You have to do the work to heal. Um, you know, stay in the present. Trust life progression. Have a little fun. Never did that until I was in my thirties. Never.
1: Well, it's curious because life has now forced you to slow the fuck down. You don't. Right. You hurrying is just not even in your any of your abilities right now with right. Um, with, with
0: the health issues that I have.
1: Correct. Right. And so. I, I, I find that really interesting that this was something that, you know, the world had to kind of, in a way, really slam the brakes on you for you to learn this one.
0: Right. And I used to have, I mean, back to being a child, teachers that would say, slow down, slow down, you know, enjoy this moment. My mother was, has always to this day, she says, you were always in a hurry to be an adult. You never wanted to enjoy where you were at.
1: Well, yeah, you in, had to be, in fairness, you needed to be the adult in your family in order correct, to survive. Correct.
0: correct. It was a survival, survival mode. But um, I guess what I'm saying is that theme of my life, I, I, people that know me have always told me that, you're rushing, you're rushing, stop, slow down. I thought I was rushing to get towards success, but I was really rushing to try and heal the wounds of my past. And that doesn't happen unless you show up and do the work. And that I have it have recently learned. That's my most recent life lesson.
1: Mm, that's lovely.
0: Thank you. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and join the community at com. We've saved a lounge chair for you around the pool.